0: Hey, it's Greg Brady. Thanks for checking out the Toronto Today podcast. It's the first day of February. You know we've been waiting for this one. On the show, Josh Allen. Not that one. Not that one either. Is there a second? Uh, But this is a gym owner who's talking about the frustration of waiting to get back open all through January and then open, closed, open, closed. Hopefully we're at the end of that. He's got an interesting comment on vaccine mandates as well for Jim's moving forward. So I'd love for you to hear that. Anthony Fury from the Toronto Sun on the show as well. And we talk about kind of the big story of the day and we didn't think it would happen. We talked about the, uh, the truckers and the vaccine mandate and the Freedom Convoy and the Prime Minister's reaction to it, but we didn't think the Conservative leadership would change potentially this week we go there is it going from aaron o'toole to somebody else in the next 48 hours no less we get to it all toronto today starts now have to start here and it's the political soap opera of the day the conservative party of canada is going to have a new leader on wednesday i'm pretty sure of this now and it'll be an interim leader and it'll be pierre pauliev sure about that greg i no, I'm not sure that tomorrow's Wednesday. You can't be sure of very much anymore, but this looks like the direction it's going. And I cannot believe the timing of it. I, I think at a certain point, I wondered, what is the push here? And what was the all the people that were upset about the results of the election in September? You're having an election in a pandemic. Um, people were worried, frankly. People were obviously not nearly as vaccinated as we are now now did we hit a wall i remember saying this back to you back in july and august are we going to hit a vaccination wall at a certain point in time even with first doses you bet absolutely remember how the goalposts ended up moving and i understood some of why the goalposts moved with regard to activities um but your own individual safety you know when you started to feel safe again like we got to bring it back to just the conversation that that you and I are having right now about when you started to feel safe, tremendously so after the first vaccination. Certainly more so after the second. And then maybe you felt like, well i could I could use that third shot. And we talked about this yesterday on the show, how Dr. Ahmed Arya made the point um, who deals with palliative care, that probably at a certain point in time, we shouldn't have called the third shot a booster. <laughs> and I call it a booster, and you probably this is like the term fully vaccinated. When is that? what does that look like are we reframing the case of of who's fully vaccinated why is a 19 year old university student need to get the same amount of vaccines in their system as an 86 year old why is that how do we how do we delineate between full vaccination and we probably did this as well with the booster so the election comes and Aaron O'Toole i think does passably well they cannot break through here in ontario you know that you've seen the numbers and we had a really interesting uh chat all august and september breaking it down you might remember also in august poll numbers were out saying aaron o'toole's in great shape for this like the odds of whether he could form a minority government and either you either have to force then the liberals and ndp to to, uh to go full-on coalition and take you out and then boy that would be a controversial thing if the conservatives Um, did something with the Bloc Québécois to stay in power. It didn't happen. The election results in terms of seats in the House of Commons almost mirrored what happened in late October of 2019. So now the Conservatives feel like they've had enough. And they've been wrestling for, you know, for a direction for quite a long time now. Quite a long time. I don't think that's unfair to say. And they haven't stuck with something very long either post Stephen Harper. And the party in power tends to do this. In fact, it's happening way more frequently in Canada than it used to. If you look at numbers, by the way, in uh, the English Premier League, that's soccer league I follow, it shows that the, uh, the length of time a manager gets there to run a club and create success for the club, it's infinitely shorter than it was 20 years ago. What is that? Well, politics is no different. So some of it is the internal pressure from the club. Some of it is expectation. Some of it is paying a higher salary. You pay someone a higher salary. You want results delivered. I understand that. That makes perfect sense to me. If I ran a business and I'd said, I brought you in, I recruited you. I gave you this opportunity. You have to be patient because you don't just want to keep chasing your tail over and over again, but we need to get results here. Well, so there's, they're doing that with soccer coaches. I think we can make the case in the NFL that happens regularly and it's starting to happen now in politics. Were the liberals doing this with Michael Ignatieff and Stefan Dion and, and throwing up all these leaders that were trying to beat Stephen Harper? You bet they were. Absolutely they were. But now do the conservatives look like they're chasing it for a good chunk of time? Also, yes. Aaron O'Toole was elected uh, it, 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 to the leader of leadership of the Conservative Party of Canada only on August 24th of 2020. He had a year in a pandemic to set things straight before the liberals called an election. That was an unpopular election. I didn't like it very much. A couple of liberal MPs told me they didn't like it very much. And I'm going to get to Justin Trudeau in just a sec. But this looks like an absolute coup d'etat, a bloodless coup, a nonviolent coup from within the party. And I'm going to get to some of the details as to why that is the case. 35 MPs have put their name on a letter. They want to vote on the leadership. There's been so much private infighting over whether aaron o'toole is the right person to lead the conservative party of canada to a government and they're not going to get a chance now to do so for at least what another year and a half we're talking maybe maybe a fall 2023 election i know that's not that's great you might think that's great for radio you guys get to talk about it it's a lot of work it's a lot of keeping up and uh and it's a lot of you know back and forth and people get bored of politics sometimes Giving us, in the midst of this, as we're all just trying to find normalcy, three elections in four and a half years or three elections in under five years, it's a lot to absorb. In the United States, they don't have to do that. Um, here's Justin Trudeau yesterday. I'm going to come back to this in this exchange in the House of Commons yesterday. I think it's telling on two fronts for the liberal reaction in, in then not putting up a fight and as well the future leader of the Conservative Party of Canada doing what he does best, and that's antagonizing. Um, But Justin Trudeau yesterday announced that we knew he was in isolation all weekend. We were critical of him yesterday on the show for not being out. And uh, I'm not talking about being out there in the protests in Ottawa on Saturday and Sunday, but he needed to be present in our minds, on our televisions, on this radio station. He needed to be somewhere, and he was not on Saturday or Sunday. You might think to yourself, I could, Greg, I couldn't, I couldn't watch that. I couldn't sit there as the leader of the country and not say something in Saturday in September and just retweet a bunch of things. That's all that, that's all that happened. Somebody in his communications office just hidden retweet on a few tweets from other people about, um, marking the important things. I'm not saying they aren't the five-year anniversary of the, of the, of the terrible mosque shooting in Quebec city, um, or documenting a few other, you know, notes, in terms of our collective calendar. But Justin Trudeau should have been in front of a camera talking at some point this weekend before yesterday. Turns out he has COVID-19. This uh this news conference focused on that a little bit, but Trudeau certainly went there again when it came to the protesters. I don't mind this language if this is where you're going to go because I actually think you're taking it more seriously than glibly dismissing them as a fringe minority last Wednesday. Here's how it sounded.
1: I think all politicians need to think very carefully uh, about who they're supporting, about what messages they're putting out. We have seen uh, over the past many, many months, conservative uh, politicians uh, sharing disinformation about vaccines, encouraging conspiracy theories online. And I think uh, Aaron O'Toole is going to need to reflect very carefully on how he's walking a path uh, that supports uh these people who do not represent truckers let alone the vast majority of Canadians
0: okay that's exactly what I wanted earlier in the week that's what I wanted on the weekend you needed to split these groups up and I said that last Thursday and some people were were you know uh, of course you can't, can you make everybody happy at this point with any political opinion that anyone gives out of course not not right now But that's what i wanted to hear a little more last week there's good people that want to have discussions about mandates they want to talk about why they need to get vaccinated let me put it to this way and i put it to a friend of mine last night who's um who i'm just in awe of in terms of a political opinion i said do you think a year from now 12 months from now oh my goodness won't that be fun although it'll be february um 12 months from now will truckers need vaccinations uh for mandated for them he said absolutely not right exactly or he asked me that i should say and i said absolutely not and he laid out why he didn't think that would be the case so this is a short term principle the mandates were always meant to be a short term principle i don't like them one bit i don't and you've heard me talk about it with either kids going to school certain occupations um i don't want to i don't want to force the shot on people I want you to get the shot via choice. I want you to read what I've read to become a three times vaccinated adult. But I do think there's elements of conversation we have to have about it. And if you said, hey, Greg, your fourth shots coming up in April, I'm going to pump the brakes on that a little bit. I'm going to ask why I'm going to ask those questions. But yesterday, Justin Trudeau split the groups up. He needed to do that last week. This is the most obvious thing on the planet. You want to have honest conversations if you're a trucker about wh- and, and what you do and it's so important, it's so vital, and you want to have real and sincere conversations. You want to come to me with a new level of, uh, of, of respect and sincerity, then I would say let's talk. If you've got the tinfoil hat going and you got your Bill Gates 5G sign and you think this is part of some cabal and George Soros, is I got no time. I got no time, and if you're here in Ottawa to cause violence and trouble and mayhem, and uh, and you know dance all over the grave of the unknown soldier, I got less than zero time for you. That was the st- it's five days late. It's already happened. It's it's borderline worthless at that point in time. Let me s- uh, switch to this. Pierre Polyev in uh, the House of Commons yesterday uh, calling out Justin Trudeau, and I think Mark Holland is uh, Ajax's MPP. So that's where I am, M- MP, I should say, he's been a long-time Liberal MP there. He gave the response for Justin Trudeau, but I think this is really significant. Sometimes you hear a lot of yelling. It's not quite the the, uh, the UK Parliament, especially lately, um, with Boris Johnson's uh, foibles. That guy, that guy parties like I don't know anybody I went to university with that parties as much as Boris Johnson does now. Like nobody, and I knew partiers. I was not one of them. I couldn't drink two nights in a row to save my life. But Boris Johnson lets it uh, lets it all out. Uh, let's he lets that hair down of his. That said, um, you usually would hear a lot more jeering and yelling. Liberals know that Pierre, with this, he's got him. He's, he's got him. You can't claim false equivalency. You can't claim otherism or whataboutism if you're the Liberal Party and Justin Trudeau on doing what he did last week. He did the right thing yesterday. I got no problem with that message in terms of saying this group and then that group this group and then that group. He did better job than he did the week before. Pierre Polyev calls him out, and you don't hear very much jeering from the Liberal Party. Just like the Conservative Party of Canada, this might be a Liberal Party recognizing that the gas tank's getting a little empty for the Prime Minister of Canada. He's won three elections. There's not gonna be a fourth. I think you and I both know that. Here's the exchange yesterday.
2: Just because the Prime Minister Dressed up in racist costumes so many times, he can't remember them all. Doesn't mean every single liberal is a racist. Just because the prime minister had tried to help a corporation avoid prosecution after it stole from some of Africa's poorest people doesn't mean all Liberals are racist. Just because about a half dozen Liberal MPs who are racial minorities have complained about his treatment of them does not mean that all Liberals are racist. That is guilt by association. Why doesn't the Prime Minister opt instead for personal responsibility? The Honourable
3: Government House Leader. Mr. Speaker, uh, I hope that I've been clear in all of my comments that I respect the honorable colleagues on the other side just as I believe they respect the colleagues that are on this side and the work that we do and the people that we are. There are times in our political discourse where we see things that are abhorrent. And all I would ask is that we equally call it out. When I saw swastikas on the street, when I saw what had happened, it's time to move on. And what I would ask is instead of trying to inflame the situation, let us de-escalate the situation. Let us work together to find a way to stop the lockdown that is happening of this city so that citizens can move forward with their lives. And any legitimate grievances can be fairly heard.
0: Okay, there's Mark Holland, uh, the party whip for uh, for the Liberals. Polyev's got got it going on. He he's got that down and he digs deep. Okay, and it cuts like a knife, if you will, Brian Adams, into the liberals. They know they know that criticism is valid and it sticks. It sticks to the prime minister right now. Althea Raj um, said this yesterday and pointed this out. Mayor of Ottawa um, says people feel trapped. This was yesterday morning. Feel trapped in their own houses. Businesses are too afraid to open. Thugs are closing down the mall. He suggests the Ottawa police isn't enforcing laws and bylaws because they are scared this will incite more violence. Um, that sounds like an internal problem, and I'm not sure that's something. Is that a humble brag from the mayor of Ottawa, Jim Watson? Does that sound like leadership to you? Does that? How? What would we think if the mayor of New York City said that, or the mayor of Los Angeles? uh, when the Rodney King riots happened, we got to do a bit better than that. Well, they're scared this will incite more violence. Who's running the show here? And many people are asking this uh, in Ottawa right now, possibly including our next guest. His name is Tim Abray. He put a video out about uh, a confrontation in his own neighborhood, and he's kind enough just to take some time and join us now. Tim, it's Greg Brady. Thanks for coming on Toronto today. I appreciate it.
3: No problem at all. Happy to join you.
0: Um, What happened? I watched the video. It's hard to follow all the way. um, But the person I see with the white beard is, is not you. That's somebody right in front of you that you're filming, right? When the video starts the 18 second one.
3: Yeah. He, he just, uh, quite literally popped up in front of me. I was walking the route that my daughter takes to school because we've been surrounded by trucks all weekend. Uh, and I hadn't been out, uh, since Sunday to check out how many of them were still there. So I went out to, uh, it's an area called the Queen Elizabeth driveway that runs right along the neighborhood we live in. So I went out to check it out. There weren't very many trucks right next to my part of the, the strip. So I walked a bit further north towards Parliament Hill uh, and there were a few trucks there. So I was just taking a few pictures because I was going to share them with my city councillor and talk to people. I'm, you know, I'm involved in the neighborhood and that sort of thing. Uh, and so I followed it up to uh, a park that's that's right across the street from from where my daughter goes to school, uh, and it's a very popular park in downtown Ottawa. It's right across from City Hall. It's like walking into Nathan Phillips Square. It's the equivalent of that. Uh, it's the equivalent of that in Ottawa. Uh, so I walked into the bottom edge of it. It's right next to our National Art Centre. Uh, and the second that I crossed the line from the pavement in the street into the park itself. I just raised my camera to take a picture uh, of the setup that was there. There was a huge encampment that had been set up. Um, And the second I raised it, this guy leapt in front of me with his hand. So my finger was about to push the camera button. So I pushed the video button instead. And so you're seeing it right from the beginning. He was just like, bam, right there in my face, uh, yelling at me. You're hearing the very beginning of what he had to say to me
0: so you're walking close to him but does he does he have things to say like i think we all we all know we lose a little bit of peripheral vision when we're when we're looking into our phone did you sort of have that you know almost like a quarterback right you're like i'm gonna get hit here did you did you have that feel that he's right there before the video started
3: no honestly i mean I, and i started my my life as a as a radio news reporter uh and i've worked in politics uh for for a lot of years and in communications and i honest to god there were people around Um, but they looked like they were involved in their setup. They looked like they were involved in what they were doing. And I was headed past them to head into the park. Uh, I wasn't even thinking about the fact that I was there or that they were there or that this would be an issue.
0: And so does it, does it become a physical confrontation? Like, were you, you were, you were touched. Did you have no choice but to instinctively and and protectively touch back?
3: Uh, yeah, it was immediate, uh i'm i was i'm a bit bigger than the guy that you see in the video so it uh it really didn't concern me a ton initially but he was he was yelling right in my face he had his hand on my chest he had his hand on my arm um and he was as you can hear screaming at me to get out um and it,
0: he, he thought uh, you were invading yeah. sort of invading his territory or it was just it was more yeah. the pictures in the video oh, no. you,
3: he was making it clear that this was their territory and you could hear him saying that, uh, in the video. And, um, and yeah. And so he wasn't having a lot of success in moving me. You can hear me talking to him initially, like, what the heck are you doing? And, uh, so a much larger guy came over and and a third guy came over and, uh, grabbed me by the arms and started physically lifting me out of the park.
0: We have, um, it's really, (laughs) we we've got this universe right now given your your media savvy and you know Tim Abrace joining us by the way from uh, Ottawa on Toronto today where some of these videos hit hit virally and you're like this looks like this looks like somebody that wanted trouble i don't see that with you i don't see that one bit with you but those do exist right did you think i'm going to post this and people are going to say it's a frame job. It's a setup. I went out looking. I, you know, you might even know the, everybody's skeptical in this day yeah. and age,
3: aren't they? No, I, I absolutely knew that that would be the case. I mean, I, I work in this area, and I understood that that would be the case. But I also know that people in this town, uh, some of them know who I am, and they know that this is going to be credible. And my purpose wasn't to draw attention to me. The purpose was to draw attention to the fact that somebody – I'm the guy in his mid-50s. Uh, I can walk into a a professional guy, I I do not present as an agitator, I had no sign, I was just wearing a parka and some gloves and a hat and I had a phone, which makes me look like just about anybody else walking through downtown Ottawa. And the point of posting this was to draw attention for our local officials that they really need to stop pretending that this is fine. It's the furthest thing from fine. Uh, This was predictable. They were warned that this could happen, uh, and now they are attempting to backpedal and cover their asses about this, and they are not taking enough measures to make sure that the people of Ottawa are safe.
0: Well, then- I mentioned that out of the gate, Tim, and I just yeah. I cannot believe Mayor Watson said this, uh, that the I don't have a clip. But the Ottawa I've, other people have heard it and they're like they were incredulous that they, you're almost like you're saying the quiet part out loud that police aren't enforcing bylaws. It's one thing to say, well, we're not going to give parking tickets out. OK, fine. But the fact that the police are scared that this incites more violence. First of all, if I'm a cop, if I'm a hardworking law enforcement officer and I've been told to stand down, I don't like that. And I also don't like the mayor of the city saying, yeah, that's the policy right now. Now I look even worse.
3: Yeah, well, and I think it goes a lot further than that. I think that one of the reasons this thing is catching on is if you go back further in my timeline, you'll see that I've been paying attention to this the whole time. Um, And they really did roll out the red carpet for these folks. This was not just a case of people coming and camping. The strip along the edge of my neighbourhood is a good, just over a kilometre long, that road that runs right along houses. There's houses that face that strip of road next to the canal. and they literally fenced this area off and allowed yeah. truckers to park in this area over the weekend and did nothing to remove them and, in fact, made it safe for them to be there. Uh, that is not typical. There are a lot of protests in this town. That has yeah. never happened before. The last time yeah. we had a protest that blocked traffic, they removed them after 36 hours.
0: Yeah, this so is, this is, is a- going... this. It's going a lot deeper than that. I'm I'm tight for time. Can we maybe you can update us later in the week? And and I really do appreciate you coming on the show and, and telling your story. I think it's an important one to get out there.
3: You got it. Anytime.
0: Uh that's Tim O'Bray joining us. By the way, a uh, listener's t- texting me Mark's Miller, Mark Miller's tweet. So Mark Miller, um, from the uh from the Liberal Party, who used to be the Indigenous Affairs Minister, here's tweet. On Saturday, a member of my family was accosted by a group of loud and aggressive protesters at the Rito Center Saturday, not yesterday, when it was closed and told to take off her mask. Where was the respect for her freedom? People are making this stuff up, OK? So whatever you think about the people that went there with good intentions and and I, I I'm here for a conversation on the mandates, I always am. But let's not play this game here that things are being staged or set up or that the cops are doing what they're supposed to be doing in ottawa there's a lot to unravel through this you don't have to have all your exercise outdoors anymore we had anthony fury on his gym was packed mine was busy last night around 8 30. oh the sauna guys having some chit chats in the sauna we're back in business uh nova health club is out in uh, oakville and we want to get uh go go to right uh, to there and uh, Josh Allen uh, opened this uh, gym up in August of 2019, so about two and a half years ago. Josh, it's great to have you on Toronto today. Thanks for making the phone call with me. Hey, Greg. Good morning. Um, I get the Greg Brady thing, so you must get the Josh Allen thing these last three or four years. Yeah, of course.
4: <laughs> Are you a Bills fan? Uh, no, I uh, don't watch much of it, and uh, but I do hear it here and there.
0: I bet you hear it. I bet you hear it. Tell me what yesterday was like for you, your customers, your staff.
4: Uh, well, yesterday was uh, reopening, of course, as we we all know, to be able to allow in-person uh, personal training or people to be able to come into the facilities. And I was only in there for a little bit, actually. And uh, it, was, it was business as usual. And, you know, people are always excited to be able to come back in after. Uh, a lot of our members actually do switch online with us anytime that we're forced to uh, close up, so uh, we're, we're fortunate to have that, but uh, most of them are anxious to get back because in-person, personal training is, is what we do, and uh, there, there's, there's a big difference between online and, and in-person, and you know it's, it's all about the personal touch. So uh, they're happy, we're happy, um, things are, are starting to move forward again.
0: I think you, you know that out when the weather has been nice outdoor, when we've been shut out previously, like last April and May, or, or for parts of the summer, People will find other alternatives. You must have had people banging down the door this month. It's January. It's been minus twenty every day. We have a massive snowstorm. Like walking's not as safe as it is uh, nine, ten months of the year. This month, so you must have had people begging to get let back in yesterday.
4: Well, yeah, our members uh, want to be able to come back in. You know, they're uh, usually stuck in their small basement gym or in their garage where it's cold. And uh, yeah, like you said, there's no outdoor training options right now because it's been really cold and um yeah so they're 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 back in the the gym and uh we're we're rocking again
0: josh allen's joining us from nova health club i think about the i, I overheard these two uh older guys older than me so that's something um but older guys in their mid-60s early 70s and the one guy was saying that his wife um her cancer was in remission he was so thrilled that the gym was open and they were having that ominous conversation that i'm sure a lot of gym members have and i'm sure you've had with your staff they were getting worried about rising numbers and, and he said we need this we we absolutely this is our salvation to be able to come here you must have it's one thing maybe for guys like you and me and and people younger and like i said they can go maybe throw a football around with somebody there's people in their 60s and 70s. This is their lifeline to staying fit and keeping their brain active as well at the gym.
4: Yeah, that's a really good point. And uh, actually, the average age of our members is probably mid 50s to 60s. To so we, we do um, uh, serve a uh, generally an older population here in downtown Oakville. And uh, yeah, at that point, you know, those that are committed to their health and, you know, all of our members are they need the gym that is part of their routine it's part of being healthy uh it's it's just like going to bed early and eating your your fruits and vegetables and you know healthy foods and all that stuff so you know taking that away is is essentially taking apart taking away a a piece of the puzzle to be able to help with overall health that even you know contributes to be able to uh, better be able to battle this covid bug
0: Josh Allen, our guest from Nova Health sure. Club. I wouldn't know anything about those last two things, sleep and vegetables, but I appreciate you uh, recommending them. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna look into look into both those things. Um, I mentioned <laughs> the the, um, the stress of of closing up. Did this last lockdown feel less understandable than the previous ones to you, your clientele, people people you talk to anecdotally?
4: Yeah, you know, Greg. I I don't know how many lockdowns we've had in the fitness uh, industry. Um, maybe about five about now, you know, first one, everyone was, okay, we got to do this. Second one. All right. Yeah, numbers are going up. Let's do this again. Third one is like, okay. Uh, okay. I guess we gotta do this. And then, you know, this last one, we're we're getting frustrated now, you know, cause the whole, the whole society is pretty much doing everything they can. And, you know, the, the COVID thing seems to be just part of our lifestyle now. And, you know, then how do we, can we adapt to it? You know, like you said, the health and the exercise is a serious part of it and we've got to be able to have that as part of the, uh, uh, the solution. So taking that away, you know, after, you know, being two years into this is just like, why? And especially I I speak from a perspective of a smaller health club. So we have a 2000 square foot facility. We, we primarily do one-on-one personal training. So we're not a bigger, club like the Good Life's where there's a lot of people in there. And I know how some people might be concerned with, okay, you know, going in a big crowded place, like uh, one of some of the bigger gyms yeah. might be a concern for some. You know, we're, we're small and we keep everything tight. And, you know, it's, and then it just comes back down to health. So we're really, I, I, I'm, I'm frustrated by this. And uh, uh, I don't even want to say annoyed. It's almost like it's, it's another threat to the business as a threat to my life and the livelihoods of my staff and you know the health and well-being of our community so I don't yeah well it.
0: we we I, I yeah think. we get aggressive when we feel threatened i got about 45 seconds here are you hoping someday yeah. soon not to check vaccine passports i think it was necessary i think there was a, um, a sensibility to it in the summer and fall i don't know a year from now how do you view it
4: well, I was uncomfortable uh, getting that going because I didn't know how it was going to happen. It was basically like saying, okay, we're going to just uh, tell these people that you can't come in. And I didn't like that. But, you know, we'd, we went with it because that was uh, part of the whole rule. I, I, yeah, I hope that someday we don't have to do that. Of, of course, uh, you know, I, I mean, more than anything, I just want everybody to be able to have access to uh, health and fitness services. It, I think uh, it's, it should be available to anybody.
0: Josh Allen, Nova Health Club, uh, really appreciate you coming on, Josh. Thanks very much for, uh, for setting uh, setting the record. And uh, I think a lot of gym owners, a lot of patrons feel exactly like you do. Relieved, but we're, we're hopeful this never, ever happens again to us. Thanks for the time today.
4: Thank you, Greg. Have a great day.
0: The trucker convoy, really day four uh, and then some in Ottawa. Uh, the last the, the word that stuck out to me last night, I saw the police chief of Ottawa speak. And he described the situation as volatile. That's been the uh, description for him. Uh, the um, NDP transport critic uh, is Taylor Backreck, and he joins me right now, an MP for Skeena Bulkley Valley. It's great to have you on here in Toronto, uh, Taylor. Thanks for making the time for our audience.
5: Good morning, Greg. My pleasure.
0: Now, I'll, I'll ask, are you, are you in Ottawa right now? Were you in the House of Commons or are you, are you virtual right now? Because I don't know.
5: I am in Ottawa right now. Um, and, you know, MPs are, are doing a variety of things in terms of joining the house virtually or from their offices, uh, from the riding. You know, the, the virtual format, the hybrid format allows for that. So I'm in Ottawa for the next bit and doing the work on, the good pe- on behalf of the good people of Skeena Boca Valley.
0: I know this um I know Friday probably um a, a different temperature um Charlie Angus is who you'd know really well has been on the show a bunch of times and and I always enjoy our conversations uh, but he seemed uh, you know justifiably concerned worried rattled uh, a lot of MPs probably were take us back to Friday and that that mindset when you find out that people's home addresses and home phone numbers are being for MPs of all parties must have had an element of, of concern to them uh, heading into the weekend.
5: Oh, absolutely. When you when you get an email from the sergeant-at-arms saying that there are reasons for concern about your safety on the hill, um, that's that's not something any member of parliament wants to see and I think, you know, the past four days have been really tense and at the same time we've got work to do and we're not going to be intimidated by the by the protest and the parliamentary protective service does a great job of ensuring that we have access to the buildings that we need access to so you know there is a larger conversation here that we need to have about some of the really disturbing things coming out of this event and i'm I'm sure you've been following that closely uh i just can't believe that you know we're seeing the swastika flown in our capital city that we're hearing these uh stories of harassment and abuse of people who live and work downtown Uh, It's just completely unacceptable. And I think it's something that needs to be taken very seriously.
0: Taylor Backrock, NDP, MPP, joining us uh, live from Ottawa on Toronto Today. What has been um, what's been misframed here? And again, there's so many layers. We, We were taking phone calls early and you can imagine. I feel like we've got a very divided populace. I feel like we've got people going to this source and that source. For, for media coverage and, and they might hear two different things. I don't think we're the states. I don't think we're that polarized, but maybe the weekend emphasized some polarization that that I hadn't even spotted. What's what's not valid about either justifying um, what's happened in Ottawa or what have you seen um, with boots on the ground there that that maybe the public doesn't know?
5: Well, it's a, it's a pretty tense scene. And I think the biggest impact is being felt by the residents of downtown Ottawa, the businesses. The people who work downtown, people who work in the hospitality industry, um, this has been really challenging. Essentially, the, the downtown of the city is under siege. So, you know, I, I do think you put your, your finger on it, which is that we're at a point right now when people are getting their information from such different sources and, and we're in these information silos and that's contributing to the polarization of our communities. And that's something that long term is, is very concerning. It's something that, that we need to address. Right now in Ottawa, you know, we need the government to help take the temperature down, to de-escalate things. We need the police to do their job and, and to deal with this protest. I think uh, everyone has heard the words from the mayor and from the premier of Ontario. Um, people's patience uh, in terms of the city being, being blocked off is, is really uh, at its end. So, um, you know, across Canada right now, people are tired and frustrated we're in the second year of the pandemic a lot of people are angry and and that's getting expression in this protest and and but i i don't see how this convoy and and how what they're trying to do really brings an end to the pandemic that's what we all want to see we want to see uh canada get past this this fifth wave so we can get back to normal um we know that the best approach to doing that is following the public health advice and getting vaccinated that's that's really clear. So, you know, the, there are a lot of concerning aspects about this event. We need to come together around what we need to do to get past this pandemic.
0: Taylor Backrock, our guest on Toronto Today on 640 Toronto. Is there is there potential that this was meant to be by many people coming to Ottawa, uh, an honest attempt um, at, at getting attention to a sincere conversation about vaccine mandates and where we go forward But like a lot of protests that that happen, you know, worldwide, forget just here in in Canada or where you are in Ottawa, they get co-opted messages, get lines, get blurred, messages, get scrambled. And and then you can't have that honest and sincere conversation. How did you view it building up to the weekend?
5: Yeah, you know, I I hear that message coming out from various folks who are trying to, to, you know, downplay some of the more extreme elements of this. I I try to take these things at face value. And so what I do is I I look at who's organizing it, who's behind this, and what are their motivations, what are their plans. And their their plans aren't for a sincere conversation about uh, public health policy. That's not their plan. If you go to the Canada Unity website and read this so-called memorandum of understanding, their plan is to somehow overthrow a democratically elected government by forming a committee with the governor general and the Senate. Like this is, this is not a, uh, you know, this is not the kind of proposal that leads us to any kind of solution. So absolutely there, you know, there are people who, you know, some of them may be misinformed who, who got involved in this and want to express their anger and their, their frustration. But when you look at, at the, at the, um, the organizing power behind this and what their goals and aims are and the groups that they're associated with, you see some really disturbing things. You see, you know, uh, Canada unity and people like Pat King who are connected to yeah. the groups that are, you know, essentially white supremacists
0: yeah it's it's incredibly hateful and 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 problematic how how many of your constituents call you and say this restriction that restriction i think we have a i hope most of us have a better understanding of of what's of what's provincial um jurisdiction and healthcare and education almost i wouldn't say almost exclusively land at the feet of provinces um but but they do and there's probably only so much you're a federal government MP, you know you're a federal mp and I'm sure you have to tell constituents gently and, and, and w- with empathy that there's only so much you can do about school rules, regulations, health care. There's only so much, right?
5: Oh, I, absolutely. And I, I, I think that that distinction, uh, you know, doesn't necessarily come through in the debate. This whole thing started around a, a policy debate around lifting the border exemptions for truck drivers. And, and that issue has been almost completely lost in over the past four days. When you when you go down to the protest and you you look at the placards and you you listen to the messages coming out, um, this isn't about that. This is this is about a much deeper, much more troubling message around uh, you know anti-vax, anti uh, public health measures, all of these other things. When we look at the the original conversation about supply chains, there's actually a, a an important and serious conversation that we need to have about how we build resilient transportation systems in our country in the face not only of pandemics, but of extreme weather events and all sorts of other challenges. There's a a real challenge around uh, container shipping and some of the congestion in the container shipping world. Um, We need to have that conversation and it's tough to have that serious policy conversation when it gets clouded by all of this other rhetoric and these very divisive and troubling uh, messages coming out of of this, this current event.
0: I know uh, your leader, Jagmeet Singh, was was critical at times and has been of of the tone of the prime minister. What do you what did you see from the prime minister yesterday in terms of tone?
5: Well, we we need more than ever. We need uh, to take the temperature down. We need you know, we need to ensure that we're able to come together around the public health advice and around getting through this together Uh, two years in things feel pretty tense. The, the fabric of the country is stretched pretty tight. And um, we, need, uh, you know, we need people in leadership positions who are able to speak to that moment and who are able to bring people together. And I think there's a, you know, there's a temptation at times like these to divide people. And I, I, I don't think that that's the right instinct. The, we need, we need to, to bring people together. We need to be firm. We need to ensure that good information is getting out there, that we're transparent, that we're building trust. That's the government that we need. Uh, we've been holding this government to account from day one, uh, pushing to ensure that people have the help that they need from this government through the hardest parts of the pandemic, uh, ensuring that people have paid sick leave, ensuring that uh, you know people have the support they need if they've lost their income, ensuring small businesses are taken care of. That's the the work that we're going to continue to do. And um, you, you know, in terms of the the tone that we need from the government at this point, uh, we need um, a government that's going to bring people together
0: one more from you on the on the sort of the lay of the land does this feel like a more normal work day I know it's early in the day yesterday didn't Um, you know people were nervous about driving their kids to school obviously Parliament reopening um, there was a stronger police presence than there was on Saturday and Sunday Um, but I know people that live five minutes from Parliament Hill and they said you know two nights ago the horns the horns didn't stop Hawking till two or three in the morning most of those people have left most of those truckers have left but the, the ones that are there, uh, Taylor, have, have dug in pretty deeply. What do you see for the day ahead?
5: Yeah, I, I think we've, we've seen the energy behind this dissipate a fair bit. And, I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if this was over sooner than later. Um, you know, the, the expression of frustration and anger has, has certainly uh, been there. and But the impact on the people in downtown Ottawa has been uh, pretty severe. And it's it's time, as we heard from the mayor, for for people to have their lives back. Uh, and we need the police to do their work. I understand there's a number of investigations that are open into some of the most disturbing uh, incidents coming out of this event. Uh, they've opened a, a line uh, that people can call to report uh, incidents of hate in the in the community and hate crimes. Uh, so we need them to do their work and uh and we need to focus on ensuring that everyone gets vaccinated so that we can get through this pandemic together
0: taylor Backrack is ndp mp for skeena bulkley valley in ottawa this morning thanks very much for coming on with us here in toronto taylor I hope we get to do it again i appreciate the time and, and candor thanks
5: so much great
0: we're talking about sort of the uh the, the slippery tenure right now of Aaron o'toole and i was going back last night uh preparing for the show and looking at some of the leadership runs and that it's reminding people right now of you know what stephen harper was able to put together over a decade of of rule as prime minister and how the liberals just kept pushing candidates up there Dion Ignacev, um bob ray stepped in in the interim for a while until they decided and you remember the famous commercial nice hair but he's not ready yet Justin Trudeau coming up the escalator in his own ad, and um, and people still weren't sure it would work out. I've absolutely blacked out about this that the conservatives went back to Joe Clark. Like I moved to the states right around this exact time at the end of 1998, so it's like if you'd asked me last night, if you'd bet me a we're out finally with restaurants opening, you bet me a draft beer that Joe Clark was the leader of the conservative party. I know reform was factoring in and the Alliance and Stockwell Day and all that stuff. But if you told me that Joe Clark ran in an election in, you know, in 2000 against John Cretchen, I would I would have lost that bet. I absolutely forgot that that happened. And then they went Peter uh, McKay for a little bit and then Harper in early 2004. But it's a big call to make here for the conservatives. I think it's already been made. And this feels like, um, as the uh, proverbial saying goes. A coup d'etat right now, a non-violent coup within the Canadian Conservative Party. Um, We'll see if indeed that's the case. Anthony Fury from the Toronto Sun is our guest. Wow, we got a lot to recap from the weekend where we're going in Ontario. But do you believe by the end of Wednesday, Pierre Paulie will be the interim leader of the Conservative Party?
2: Well, usually the person who becomes the interim leader does not go on to be the permanent leader. So I think we're going to see a lot of people who do want a leadership change, but then they themselves will not step forward to be interim leader. So we'll see how all of that unfolds. Who knows, maybe it'll be Joe Clark again. Like you mentioned, I totally (laughs) forgot that even happened. I had erased that from my memory.
0: I'm glad you forgot it too. I'm like, okay, I wasn't living in the country at the time, I, so maybe I was focusing on getting a work visa and finding an apartment in suburban. The
2: Once you knew he was coming back, you ran. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Once I saw Stockwell Day on the on the on the jet ski, I was like, I think it's uh, I need some George W. Bush and Al Gore in my life, uh, Anthony. I really, I decided that uh, then. Um, why now? Why now? And and do the events of this blockade and uh, and freedom convoy. Is this a final straw? Is this a strong influencer in this uh, in this movement now?
2: Well, I, I think what we're seeing the Freedom Convoy is, is a bit of a bit of a catalyst, a bit of a Deus ex Machina for a bunch of things coming together. It, it's really causing a shift in, in many things that are not necessarily directly related to the Convoy. And, and I think what what it's pushing right now is Aaron O'Toole very bizarrely could not bring himself to say maybe lockdowns aren't good. Uh, In Obviously, the first wave, we all understood that. Second wave, it was harder for people to say that. But even third wave, even more recently, uh, just the past few weeks, he couldn't bring himself to say it wasn't good that Ontario and Quebec were in lockdown. And I know there's a, a lot of Ontario MPPs in the conservative backbench, uh, the Doug Ford backbench, who are kind of unhappy with things. Some of them uh, just laughed like Roman Baber did. Others have been grumbling all along. Federal conservatives, as the months went by, got increasingly frustrated because their constituents all across the country have been talking about the harms of lockdowns. They're upset. They wanted to speak about that. And Aaron O'Toole was always putting a lid on it. And finally, even now, he, he just couldn't bring himself, uh, to say that, you know, we have a problem with this, even when we have new polls out Angus Reid Institute saying 55% of Canadians say, let's be done with all COVID restrictions like they did in the UK, yet Erin O'Toole has just still been so soft on that. And I think there's just incredible frustration that one of, one of really the, the, the biggest things that's kind of happened to us from government in our lives, government, you know, micromanaging all aspects of our lives, something that conservatives are, are of course, more philosophically inclined to be against Aaron O'Toole just refuses to rise to the occasion, and I think that's the frustration within caucus. They've just
0: had enough. Anthony Fury from the Toronto Sun, our guest on Toronto today with Greg Brady on 640 Toronto. He just may not be an attacker. I watched Paul Ev in court yesterday, and some people have it, and, and some people, you know, again, we could be standing around at a party, and a debate kicks off, and, and you know who sort of got that it factor to to argue. And when I watch Paul Ev talk about racist costumes and Stealing money from poor African people, not countries, people, with regard to the We Charity scandal. I'm like, I can't picture that coming out of Aaron O'Toole's month And two things, a mouth, and, a, and two things took me, um, took me really into a different place watching that yesterday, Anthony. One was how quiet the liberals were. They weren't trying to drown it out. They they can recognize when uh, some some knife wounds are being made, and the conservatives just. I think they look and go, our leader won't go that far. Our our current leader, Aaron O'Toole, won't go where Pierre will go.
2: No, absolutely. I mean, they say in politics that you want to define your opponent. Uh, before they can define themselves, you want to define yourself before your opponent can define you. And Aaron O'Toole is is not particularly good at getting out there and and defining others or fighting back when people attempt to define him. I mean, he's kind of let himself just be defined by Trudeau and uh, he's obviously very sensitive to any sort of uh, uh, slight that comes his way from the CBC, from the Toronto Star, from people who aren't going to vote with him anyway. Pierre Polyev doesn't play that game. He doesn't let himself get boxed in. Uh, Trudeau isn't really able to box him in that well and he fights I mean, Trudeau is the master of framing people. It was really quite something to see that speech yesterday where he took the fact that there was one, you know, this loser walking around with this Nazi flag. I mean, what's that idiot all about? And then Trudeau managed to take that and make it like it was absolutely everybody there and then completely acknowledge the fact there were people from all walks of life and backgrounds. Uh, at that event. And Trudeau, you know, he's he's a master, you know, political messenger in terms of framing that and trying to say it stood for the Conservative Party. And Aaron Toole just kind of lets that happen to him. I will say Aaron Toole can attack. Did you see that Facebook post he made attacking yeah. his own party? That was the most aggressive attacks he's really done. I mean, if he had managed to talk like that during the last federal election about Trudeau, maybe he would have won.
0: It's a weird one, too, though, isn't it? Ontario, he's trying to bust through that red wall. He wasn't able to. Andrew Shear, with with some of the concerns, right. you and I have talked about this before, the, the social conservative stuff. You, you can't leave gay marriage hanging out there. You can't leave pro-choice hanging out there and, and make people worry. And the liberals were able to frame it like he's going to put these on the table if you vote for him. That said, I, I <laughs> if you're going further, to, the, the goal for Aaron O'Toole, to me, should have been push the party more towards the middle. Further right does not strike me as as being a a game plan to to break through that red wall in in the GTA or in Ontario either.
2: Uh, Well, it depends on what you mean by further right, whether you're talking about it economically or obviously, I think socially, you're right. It doesn't apply there. But I think the bottom line is people respond well to authenticity. They respond well to conviction politicians. So Stephen Harper was very much a conservative, not a social conservative, but very unapologetically a conservative. People responded to that as well, whereas Aaron O'Toole is clearly not saying this is who I am. He's saying, well, who do you want me to be? Uh, you know, what do the polls say? What do the focus groups say? What does the CBC say? And it's like, I don't know if that's the pathway to win because Justin Trudeau is very aggressively telling the nation who he is. And I think people respond to the strength of that voice. Uh, I think you're going to see from other people, well, like I said, Stephen Harper and, and Pierre Polyev and some others, they do a much better job of, of uh, standing firm on their convictions and, and people respond well to that leadership.
0: I want to get to another poll in a sec but that but i was thinking about this yesterday so you're ideal to ask for it um polls i I love them i've loved them since i was a little kid i i get attracted to some not so much to others but they're not like i i wish i you could tell people it's a little like telling people in in what we do don't react to social media the texts i get are a lot different than tweets i see in terms of how the people and everybody gets a vote are reacting to specific issues so if you get too caught up in you know your bosses, my bosses. They're telling you, "Hey, I'd rather almost you weren't on social media." I get it, right. but really. Don't don't let the wind blow you in a certain direction because of Twitter. Don't do that. And polls are—we're n- seeing a province right now with Del Duca, Horvath, and Ford. They all just seem to react to what polls want them to do.
2: No, it's a very good point, and it's certainly a good point about don't don't respond to just the crazy tweets and emails you're getting. I've actually gotten a lot of emails the past couple of years uh, from people who say. Hey, I, I have a Twitter account. I never tweet, but I have it uh, just to you know follow things and find articles. Anyway, I just wanted to let you know my thoughts, etc. And they write a two-page email. You go, oh wow, this person is very <laughs> articulate and thoughtful. And I think that's more reflective of average folks. Most folks are not, you know, the old thing. Don't read the comments. I mean, people don't comment anymore. They Twitter, but you know the. The comments are not representative of, of most folks. Most folks just read the article and then have, have their own thoughts in their head. And I think that's more indicative of the mainstream. And, and you're right, chasing polls, I mean, there, there's a danger in all of that. I, I also think, you know, conviction politicians, true leaders, uh, they they actually guide the polls. They they lead, so they lead public opinion. They lead where the nation's going. I, I've never understood the idea of, of campaigning by focus group. It is it is not a recipe for, for success, uh, whether success is the health of the nation or just your own political victory.
0: poll comes out yesterday, uh, Anthony, in Ontario, that moves from 40% to 54% of people right. who in essence want us moving. That's Canadians actually. Uh, and given we've had some of the harshest restrictions in our province compared to the other ones, Majority of Canadians say, per Angus Reid, it's time to end COVID restrictions and leave responsibility for isolation to those at risk. What a massive di- 14% of the nation turning in a month tells you where this is going.
2: Yeah, so the phrase, uh, we need to learn to live with COVID-19 and start treating it like influenza. You know, let, let's do the pop quiz. Was that said by the trucker's convoy? Oh, wait, yes, it was. Was that said by some random people on Twitter? Yes, it was. Was it also said by Dr. Bonnie Henry Dr. Kieran Moore, Dr. Eileen Devilla. I can go on because there's a few others in Manitoba and the East Coast. Chief medical officers. Yes, it's being said by them. So this is really just mainstream majority opinion now.
0: And we're seeing it really. Um, I, I think we're we're coming to it a little later than the states I mentioned. There's there's um, you know state government officials saying telling universities telling universities to which they they fund those universities. You get this corrected because you've got a a population incredibly yeah. not at at harm. We they put booster mandates in place that they're either going to have to dump or walk back by next fall. That's yeah. going to be that's almost a, the the last the last domino to fall. Will be fully healthy nineteen twenty twenty one year old college students getting back in classrooms and not having vaccine mandates to worry about.
2: Yeah, I, I mean you know I've been really against a lot of the restrictions on our youth and, and our kids, and I think it's just madness that we're entertaining the idea that uh within several months from now there's still going to be COVID restrictions on our kids it doesn't mean that it's suddenly against the law to wear a mask it doesn't mean you you suddenly have to go to that uh pack stadium game if for some reason you're uncomfortable with going there but it means other people can choose to do it because like all those chief medical officers have said uh we're moving forward we're learning to live with it we're managing it like the flu
0: Do you think anything can get sped up uh, with the province? We've had hospitalizations drop five straight days. We're looking even businesses are looking. You got to be kidding me. Well, like we're drowning here and we're still three weeks away from full capacity. We're not. We're six, seven weeks away from, I suppose, a full reopening around March break time. Um, Can this accelerate? Can this expedite?
2: It better. So yesterday morning, I went to the gym. I've always been uh, a person who goes right after reopenings. It's hard to believe there's like multiple I can talk about many experiences I've had going back after reopenings. But I'll tell you, Greg, uh, often when I go back on the first day, people kind of walk in as if they're stepping into the water for the first time or as if they're doing the moon landing. Okay, I take the precautions, you know, do the uh, grab the hand sanitizer. Oh, keep away from this person. Greg, yesterday, there was none of that. Everybody just kind of walked in. They're like, "Okay, yeah, done with this garbage. Anyway, let's get back to work." Uh, People were, you know, casual, looking at the vaccine passports. The place was packed. Nobody bought this last lockdown, Greg. And people are like, "Yeah, no more nonsense. Let's roll." So I know the province previously said March 28th is when the mask mandate is over. Um, They were supposed to end the vaccine passport in January 17th. I think people got to say, "Yeah, March 28th. This is the day you said." Shows over by then, guys. Let's go.
0: I'm glad you said. I saw just that in my gym uh, last night, and, and it was a, uh, I, I felt like I gained weight for a movie role. Uh, and, uh, and, and now, and, and I really miss wearing a mask walking back and forth to the shower. I felt like I was really being personally responsible with that after sweating all over uh, people on the machines and, and, bre- and breathing out droplets on the treadmill. I thought that, that eight foot walk to the shower, I better be responsible here.
2: Robert De Niro said after he packed on the pounds for the last scenes in Raging Bull, he was never able to lose it again in his life. He's like, I wished I hadn't done that. I just could never get back to my pre-ending Raging Bull physique.
0: I don't. <laughs> Cape Fear, man. Cape Fear. He looked uh, not not the best of haircuts, and he's smoking a cigar the entire film. But uh, you know, maybe he's you took a cut during.
2: Time. That was like. It's my- true. Yeah. 1997. Maybe maybe it took him like 15
0: years to to Yeah, I don't want if it takes me a decade and a half to lose the weight of the last 6 uh, weeks, this is a this is really problematic. Um and uh and sleeping 4 hours a night's not helping. Great to have you on. We'll talk next week. Thank you, sir. So Spotify is going to label. They like labels and they're going to put some content advisories on Spotify podcasts that discuss COVID. I'm good with that. I don't think everything Joe Rogan has done has been you know, he's not out there spreading misinformation every single show. I think he's had guests on that differ not just from him, but from what I think, from what doctors I talk to say. And he's had people that say that that were a little bit ahead of the curve when it came to, you know, things like acquired immunity, um, things as, as to whether we're going to have a lot of fully vaccinated breakthrough cases and whatnot. I would make the case that we should probably have a, a, a COVID advisory with, um, you know, a lot, of, a lot of television shows, a lot of doctors. Absolutely, that should be the case. But what does this mean in the long term and even the short term for what uh, what Spotify is? We love chatting to our next guest. He's writer and media consultant at thinkstart.ca, and he is Mohit Rajans. It's great to have you on again, Mohit. Uh, thanks for making the hey, time.
1: My pleasure. Good morning to you.
0: What have you made of this? Um, it, it, I'm going to get to a, a Rogan cut that we both can listen to in a sec, but what have you made of uh, of all the controversy about it? Spotify stock prices went down, but then they bounced back up. Um, they, they had a real interesting call to make here. He's their, financially, he's their best asset.
1: You know, the Spotify, um, the podcasting business itself has started to take such a different turn. Uh, in the business, they call it the Joe effects because there's Joe Budden and Joe Rogan, and they sign these monster podcast deals with these big, these big podcasting companies and they're getting paid a lot of money and no one's really clear about how they're supposed to make them back. So I think this whole process with Spotify and Joe Rogan has to be taken into consideration from three different perspectives. One, the listener, right, which you just said, they're going to get a qualification prior to that, which is how much hip hop are you going to put that in front of if you're going to put that Mm. in front of podcasts, right? And then the second thing is advertisers. You know, advertisers in the audio space are very cautious about how much time they're spent in your ears. And if you're taking away time away from that by putting these cautions, et cetera, it's going to be a big problem. And the third thing, and I think more importantly, is is Spotify a media company or is it a platform? And those are two different things. If you're producing content, you're responsible for an entirely different thing than you are if you're just letting people upload content.
0: It's interesting you say that. Yeah, I guess what what would be described as as legacy media companies? I I guess we'd be talking on a platform for one um, right now in in chorus in in global news. There's obviously rules and regulations that are a little different. The Internet has more served, hasn't it, Mohit, as the as the wild, wild west. And yet at the same time, if you're going to monetize that product in the wild, wild west, um, people have, uh, you know, companies have a lot more caution if you will of course they want ears and eyes and all that stuff um, but they also you know like you can get you, you play to the fire too much you can get burned if you're on the wrong you know at, on the in the wrong place at the wrong time
1: yeah, but excuse me um, uh, for clearing my throat. Uh, Joe Rogan is a Swiss army knife in Hollywood. You know, he is a pay to play type person. If you look at everything from Fear factor to wrestling, so anything he's done. The one thing, so what I'm saying to you is that he will have opinions like Howard Stern had opinions. They'll evolve over the years. He's the host. And his actual apology was probably the smartest thing I've seen a celebrity do in a very long time because he realizes that his bread and butter for the next little while is given by Spotify and he can, he's changed the business. If they take that stage away from him, that has a much larger effect on the industry.
0: I think that's a great point. Let's hear, uh, this is Joe Rogan on, uh, he put this out on Instagram on Sunday night. Now, because of this controversy and I'm sure there's a lot of other things going on behind the scenes with these controversies, but uh, Neil Young has removed his music from the, the platform of Spotify and uh, Joni Mitchell, and uh, apparently some other people want to as well. Um, I'm very sorry that they feel that way. I, 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 I most certainly don't want that. Uh, I'm a Neil Young fan. I've always been a Neil Young fan. It, it, you know, he plays that the right way, even from a p, if you and I ran a PR company, Mohit, we'd say, mm-hmm. that, sound like yourself, come across as right. a nice guy, come across as kind of genuinely hurt that anyone thinks he's causing harm. There's there's others out there, right? The the Jordan Peterson's the Elon Musk that tend not to do that. They, they come in, you know, whether you agree with anything they say or not, they come in, you know, even Jeff Bezos come in with a, a little bit of arrogance. That sounds like a hum, uh, a person that recognizes humility in Rogan right there.
1: Right, well, that's a great point, right? And you know what, to be honest with you, anybody who jumps on this, we're removing our music um, side of things now is going to look like they're looking for their own positive PR. And I think that's the other part we have to remember about this. Eventually, Greg, artists are going to have their own networks. They're going to be owning their own places where music, they're going to be investing in things. And they're a part of this tech world just as much as anybody else. Sure, Neil Young and whoever might not need the the dollar value that comes with the Spotify streams. But at the end of the day, they're moving towards getting more ownership too. So don't be fooled by any artist removing in protest because they're doing it for PR as well. I'm not saying Neil Young did it for PR, but anybody after Neil Young is definitely looking for that thirsty, that thirsty waterfall. <laughs>
0: I like the uh, description of it as a uh, as a thirsty waterfall give me your sense Mohit, hit on uh on the new york times and wordle this game has sort of uh hit the mainstream everybody talks about it everybody posts their scores on their twitter accounts uh some probably don't even know they're doing it um but it's uh I- i'm trying to think <laughs> of the last time there's been a sensation we used to have that quiz game a couple of christmases ago that we'd all play right. uh and yes. but it fizzled pretty fast is is this Is this something you think that we'll be doing six months from now? Next summer, we'll still be talking about Wordle. We're going to run out of five letter words. We might got to maybe we got to expand it out to six or seven.
1: Do you still have angry birds on your phone?
0: (laughs) I knew I wondered about that. If I if if my kids, if my kids were like the Simpsons and stayed timeless and were the same age for twenty nine straight years, maybe we'd play it more around the house. But I think if I brought it up (laughs) to them, they'd roll their eyes and go, Dad, God, stop embarrassing me again.
1: Um, To be honest with you, I find the internet is the worst place to talk about the internet. Because if you look at a business like Wordle, an app that's created, their dream is to be sold to something like the New York Times. And the unfortunate part about it is everybody has fallen in love with this program and forgot that it's actually a business, you know, and it's something that needs uh, to grow and survive. It's a big win for the corporation. But the internet hates it because the internet decided that it was theirs, (laughs) And that's the funniest (laughs) thing about reporting about technology and digital is that I always run into places where I'm just like, are we on the platform that's complaining about the platform because of what the platform's doing, but we're all on it? It doesn't really make sense. And so basically what I'm getting to, Greg, is that I think like high five to the people behind Wordle and what they're able to do and what they're able to capture. I think the New York Times has a wonderful history of being able to be in this space. I think it's a great thing to do. And it's unfortunate that some people are going to be mad that they've sold out. But you know what? That's what tech companies want to do. There's a thousand Wordles that didn't succeed. So uh, look t- at it that Yeah, way.
0: absolutely. Yeah, th- there must be somebody who who had, uh, Mohit, you made a great point, that there might be somebody who had 85% of the magic beans, Stop short or, or just couldn't you know just couldn't finish the formula couldn't close out the uh close out the other side in the ninth inning and and they couldn't get it to to market or or just couldn't get it marketed once it made it um to market great uh a listener uh points out they so smart uh, that that game was called hq trivia i was thinking hi for yes, a second yes. but that thing was yeah, but, everywhere like like five of us would play it i remember my brother-in-law my my sister and brother-in-law were here for christmas holidays We're all sitting there at three o'clock in the afternoon and six of us are on our phones at the same time. Like that tells you you've got somebody, you've got a captive audience when that's happening.
1: Yeah. And you mentioned something even more interesting there about how do you how do you predict that you're going to be able to captivate an audience? You know, trying to explain Wordle to somebody who hasn't even seen the graphic is very odd right and so you might as well say metaverse crypto you might as well say all the buzzwords to somebody who's never seen wordle so i think you're right capturing imagination is a big sign of success on any of these apps
0: it's it's not unlike people thinking well i used to get it for free on the internet i mean let's face it we had napster and other music downloading services and then all of a sudden what's this 99 cents a song business and people still to this day newspapers have been on the internet for 20 plus years. And they're, ah, I was I would have read that article, but it was behind a paywall. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, you do realize that mom and dad used to bring three newspapers home a day and they pay for those from variety stores. Right. So you you've got to yes. pay the writers and the publishers and the people that print out the pictures you do.
1: Yeah, you're right. And I think that we're slowly getting to a place where people realize, you know, if, if you look at the dynamic offerings of so many media companies now online from games to in-depth articles and stuff, there's no way they're going to be able to sustain it without uh, us the users the people that spend time on these apps and in programs start giving up a little bit more directly and i think it's great because we're going to see some amazing innovation and we're going to see you know people develop some interesting tools and let's start getting to some of the positive things that can happen online
0: i got a couple of minutes here um fitness and the idea of online fitness omicron <laughs> sort of closed up i just got back yesterday and it's uh it, it's uh, the struggle is real mohit it's it, it is not it's not going to be very fun. Uh, the spread of Omicron has uh, has really pushed the fitness industry around a little bit. And uh, and you noticed a lot of trends from, uh, you know, people have just, they've almost just put their hands up in the air and said, I'm going to wait this out and I'm going to try and take the pounds off when I get back. We've, we've been at this open, closed, open, closed for 21 months. And this last stretch has really been demoralizing and look outside. What are we supposed to do?
1: Yeah, I think you make a great point, but I also think it might be a really good opportunity for us to do a real head check as to where things are in our lives, to be honest with you. I mean, if you're the type of person that's already gadget-fied, you've got an Apple Watch and a phone and everything connected, start doing a little bit of an assessment as to what's around, what's really counting your steps, what's helping you close the rings, as they say, in Apple Watch land. I think it's really important that we take more initiative and using some of the tools that we have around us to really connect in the idea, okay, what are these goals? You know, what is telling me to do what? How do I take this information and go to my practitioner later and say, is this right? Is this wrong? That's what I think personal fitness is going to really turn to. It's going to be less about what gym are you a member of? And how have you created a world around you that you feel like you're getting more health benefits from?
0: That's helpful. Uh, You can find him at uh, thinkstart.ca. Mohit Rajan's uh, writer and media consultants. Great to have you on as always. Uh, Thanks very much.
1: My pleasure, Greg. Have a great one.
0: Thanks very much for listening to Toronto Today for Tuesday, February the 1st. We appreciate you downloading our podcast and checking us out. Feel free to tell a friend and subscribe and leave us a review as well. Let us know what we can do to make your experience a better listen. Thanks so much. We'll see you tomorrow for the live show back 530 to 9 a.m. on 640 Toronto.